Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. Last week, Brian wrapped up our series on the book of Jonah and um, brought a great end to that, that study. And this weekend, we are launching into our series called Reach. Uh, we do these annually, and we're talking about reaching the neighborhoods and the nations. Um, we are a people who, uh, who exist to exalt Jesus Christ. We want to become his fully devoted followers and share his grace and truth with all people. And we also believe that God's given us a clear vision, uh, that our vision would be a city at peace with God. So I thought about, as we, get, we were launching this series, I, I thought about a friend of mine uh, who has, he's pretty passionate about the city, uh, pretty passionate about bringing peace to the city. Um, Yathis and I met several years ago. We're both on the board of directors for our denomination. Uh, we spend some time together, getting a little trouble together. Um, and uh, he is actually, he assists the district superintendent for uh, the district of our, our Christian Mission Alliance denomination called the Metro New York District. And Yathis oversees about 40 urban churches in, uh, in is it in five boroughs of, of New York City or four? Yeah, in the five boroughs of New York City. And uh, he has a, a passionate heart for the city, and so I've asked him to kind of get us launched in this, uh, this series on Reach. So would you welcome Yathis as he comes and opens God's word to us? You're going to get this height right sooner or later, six times. <laughs> uh, Jinju Funi. Dios te bendiga. Amen. Je vous bénis. Allah ubara kaleka. Bonjour, bene. These is what you have just heard are God bless you in five languages. And uh, these languages, uh, Chinese, Spanish, French, Arabic, Creole, just some of the language languages that I interact with every day in my ministry in New York City. So some of you may be thinking like, wow, this guy's brilliant. He's multilingual. No, I just have really good translators as I go to these churches. So God is good. Salem Alliance, God bless you. It is good to be here with you this weekend. Um, I'm here with my youngest son, Jeremiah. And uh, we have uh, grown to love your city. I could say that I am a son of Salem Alliance Church in some ways. I have, uh, about 10 years ago, I was mentored by uh, the, the late uh, Don Boomda. And he would come to Rockland uh, uh, County and New York, and he would sit down with six to ten of us guys, and he would really just pour into us and mentor us and really bless our lives. So I am fortunate to have met him and spend that time with him. I know we prayed for his wife, Dee, uh, quite a bit, and he would always uh, share with us about what was going on in his life. And so we're glad to be here with you. So we're, we're in the city, and uh, God has blessed us. There are 8.4 million people living in the five boroughs of New York City and about 800 languages that are spoken there. So we have a quite, quite a challenge. God wants each of us within the city to hear the gospel and to be one with the gospel. I want to bring you to Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 1 through 14. And if you have pew Bibles, page 1234, 1235, we'll pick that up. 
Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, priests, prophets, and all the people who had been exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. This was after the king, Jehoiakim, the queen mother, the court officials, the other officials of Judah, and all the craftsmen and artisans had been deported from Jerusalem. He sent the letter with Elessah, son of Shaphan, and Gomorrah, son of Hilkiah, when they went to Babylon as King Sakia's ambassadors to Nebuchadnezzar. This is what Jeremiah's letter said. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not of for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you, and you will bring, I will bring you home again to your own land. And I believe for us to fully understand this Jeremiah 29 passage, we have to look at it through the eyes of city dwellers and through the lenses of urbanites. I think it's intriguing that the first time city is mentioned in the Bible is when Cain, after being in, uh, the, in, in, in the land of Nod, he was a wanderer in the land of Nod, Nod meaning wandering, he found refuge. Cain needed a place to feel safe, so he built the first recorded city in Scripture called Enoch. And isn't that a, an anomaly, safety and city coming out of the same breath? Oftentimes we think of city as a, a dangerous place. Throughout Judah's history, evil was prevalent. But then there would be these seasons of revival led by kings like Asa. Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah, and Josiah. However, the last four kings of Israel, look at, listen to these names. Jehoahaz, meaning Jehovah has ceased. Jehoiakim, meaning Jehovah raises up. Jehoiakim, meaning Jehovah establishes. And Zedekiah, or Zedekiah, means Jehovah is righteous. With all these powerful names, with all this um, uh, uh, stature within these names, these guys never lived up to the height. They never lived up to the stature. They never lived up to the significance of their name. As a matter of fact, they all lived in rebellion to God, leading to Ju Judah's final exile. And we know that names within the Bible are, are very significant and important. And oftentimes people will ask me, well, what does Yathis mean? And 
Uh, you can Google it. Um, there's only one Yathis in the world, so you can Google it. You'll only find me. Um, um, but uh, Yathis uh, basically means uh, whatever I feel like it meaning, depending on the day. Um, but I, I've been told that um, it was an inspired name given to my, given to my mom, and, and, and so it means one that gathers. I thought it was my call t- uh, to the world to gather a lot of money, but actually God called me to gather people nations. And so it is my joy, it is my privilege to work in the Metropolitan District with the Christian Missionary Alliance gathering nations. It's approximately the year 597 BC when the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah prompting him to write this letter to the exiles of Jerusalem who were now living as POWs in Babylon. There there were other letters circulating at the time by prophets who had a desire to encourage the people. You know, they were going through this cataclysmic event. This was a disaster. And so you had these prophets who really wanted to encourage Israel. But they weren't hearing from God. They, 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 They were not connected really with God. And Jeremiah calls them out on that. Jeremiah's letter is, is, is particularly in response to a false prophet, and a false prophet of, the, of Hananah. And, and Hananah had prophesied that God would break the yoke of the Babylonians in two years and restore the Israelites to Jerusalem and give them peace. Kind of sounds like your modern-day politician who's all promises and no true substance. Now, I know that there are none of, no politicians like that in Salem, none whatsoever, right? To be honest, this is the type of word that I'm seeking. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. One that says, yay, this life is going to be great. You're going to have peace, enjoyment, comfort, safety. And as my Jamaican father-in-law would say, no problems. Or as they would say in the Lion King, Hakuna Matata, no more worries for the rest of your days. So, what about you? What about you? Are you looking for safety and comfort? It's a desire that we all have. By the way, in Steve's introduction, he didn't tell you that I'm African American. (laughs) So, so he, he forgot that small detail, and that means that you guys are preachers too. So when I preach, I'm looking for a response. That's what we do, okay? (laughs) Can somebody say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Balcony, can you say amen? Amen. There you go. That's a church. (laughs) Amen. Well, several months ago, uh, my wife Kathy and I, we we invited some neighbors over, and we really wanted to connect with our neighbors and be more missional. And we, um, the, our neighbors began telling us that they wanted to sell, build up their home and repair, and, and they wanted to sell because they wanted to get out of the hood. Now, we live in the inner city. And in the inner city, there are times where you might hear, not coyotes, um, Steve, but you would hear gunshots. And so, um, so, you know, there would be times where there's drug trafficking right in front of our home, and they just didn't want to continue living this way and raising up their family. They want to go to a, a safer place. They wanted to go to another place where they could feel uh, a lot more comfortable. And so 
uh, we, 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 were, we were challenged and because God was calling us to uh, start um, a, a, a group of, of and what we called a, um, a, neighborhood, a neighborhood watch program. And, and we were starting this to try to get the neighbors together to really go after some of the crime that we were experiencing on the block. And, and one of the things that we, we could empathize with our neighbors because we too wanted to move out at some point and we were saying hey it would be great to live in a more sexy city a, a more destination city a place like Brooklyn maybe or Jersey City you know <laughs> you know so but 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 God was reaffirming his call to us to, and calling us to be missional and really spend time to invest invest in the city and seek the peace and the prosperity of the city and our neighborhood and so as we were doing this church multiplication training, we just felt like we heard a word from the Lord and we needed to respond in obedience opposed to running from the inner city. And as we look at the text, we, we have this great God city called Jerusalem that is juxtaposed against the uh, uh, city of, of confusion, Babylon. And in his book, City of God, City of Satan, Robert Lithicum looks at the etymology of the word Jerusalem. In its transliteration, Jerusalem is called Yerushalam, giving it the meaning teacher or teaching of peace. And so there are various iterations of that word, Shalom, Salom, Shalom, Shalim. And these are uh, common Semitic words with a root meaning peace in Hebrew, peace in Akkadian, peace in Phoenician, Syriac, Arabic, Aramaic, and Ethiopic. And perhaps it's God's idea for Jerusalem to be this peaceful city where his presence and his peace would flow like a, a river, a river that is strong, a river that is full of life, a river that is vivid, a river that depicts God's design of teaching, pointing out, informing, instructing other nations what life could be like with God as creator and Lord. You see, God's greatest creation is not the city, it's not the land, it's not angels, but humans. Specifically, his people created in his image who are now bearing his image to the world. And I believe that a gospel that is as big as the city speaks to the doctrine of humanity. It conveys how God sees people and his purpose for humanity. Not humanism where um, our happiness and satisfaction is the highest of all values, but God loving people and humans. The city is a microcosm of God's highest creation. God loves cities. Would you guys say that with me? God loves cities. He loves people. He wants people walking with him, at one with him. Notice that the epicenter of Paul's missionary journeys are cities. It's intriguing to me that with all the stuff that's happening with ISIS, many of those places that are being destroyed are where the gospel was preached. So how, do we, how are we to respond? We've heard this saying before. God's story or, or the Bible begins in a garden, but it ends in a city, right? Can you say that with me? So, so you guys are going to end it, right? You're going you're gonna, 
in that sentence there, fill in the blank. God's story begins in a garden, but it ends in a city. A city like Salem, a city of peace, a city of joy, a city of shalom. Now contrast Jerusalem, the peaceful city of God, to Babylon, taken from the root word, Babel or Babel, which means mixing or confusion. Who wants to live in a city of confusion? And it's interesting, when, you, when leaders of a city, community, or neighborhood are removed all at once, it will be left with a gaping hole and a void preventing any semblance of civility, progression, and unity. And what you dysfunctionally will have is inner city. Now, let me make a disclaimer that there are some great godly people living in the inner city, but it's challenging living and raising a family in the inner city. You've heard of the uh, book Charles Dickens wrote, The Tale of Two Cities. Well, sociologically, I, I break down urban ministry and the city and define it in four categories, calling it the tale of four cities. The first city being center city where you have your hipsters and yuppies and your pillars and influential institutions of society such as business and commerce, media, arts and entertainment, education, government, and your major religious icons. The second city is inner city, which we know is blighted, it's marginalized, it's disenfranchised, it's broken, like many other places. And that's a, what one may call Samaria. The third city is global city, where you have your global cultures and your neighborhood-based ethnic enclaves, somewhat of a Samaria as well. And so in New York City, we'll have little Italy, little Ethiopia, we'll have Chinatown, we'll have Koreatown, we'll have these, these ethnic enclaves. And then the fourth type of city is well, like, well, taking a page from Toby Mac, I call it diverse city. And that's where it's multicultural, it's, 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 there's a socioeconomic mix there, it's transient, it's transitional. People are moving out, people groups are moving out, people groups are moving in. But if we're honest, it's a real challenge to live in the inner city. And I believe this is what the exiles were experiencing, sort of like an inner city type of experience. And so they wanted out. Verse 2 tells us that these were the elite of Jerusalem, living in a strange land, facing adversity, feeling like a prisoner in chains with no escape. In verse 8, we see that the Israelites have an insatiable desire and appetite to hear encouraging words, even when inaccurate. They just wanted to hear something good. Tell me something good. <laughs> they just wanted to hear a prophetic word that would encourage them. But it was inaccurate. Those, those, those prophets were not hearing from God. I mean, I mean, to be honest, if someone promised you 70 years in prison versus two years in prison, what would you take? <laughs> One group said probation. <laughs> that wasn't an option. <laughs> so Jeremiah says in verse 11, in the midst of a cataclysmic event and disaster, God has a future plan and a good word for you. God's ways are not, they're, they're higher than our ways. His thoughts are, are higher than our thoughts. I mean, God's ways, they're, they're counterintuitive. The way up is down. To be rich, you need to be poor. 
You know, if you're going to be exalted, you need to be humbled. They're just counterintuitive. They don't make sense. And so God has a good future and a happy ending to the story. The people see only despair and hopelessness in their situation. But God fulfills his promise to us. Jeremiah encourages the exiles from Judah to do three things in verses 5 through 7. He says, pray to the Lord and seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Secondly, he says, build houses and settle down. And then third, he says, to multiply and increase in numbers. You know what that sounds like to me? It it, it sounds like God is transplanting the city of peace, Jerusalem or Jerusalem, into the city of confusion. And God's about to show up and, and show out because he's God. I mean, I'm just, I'm always amazed that firefighters who rush into a fire when the rest of us are running from the fire. I'm amazed that police officers who go into uh, danger and harm's way when the rest of us are running from that. I'm amazed and intrigued by missionaries who would go abroad and give up and sacrifice everything to preach the gospel to the lost. But I'm yet amazed by ordinary people like you and I who would stay and live and settle in the city and begin to invest our lives in the city, not just living in the city. That's amazing. Because many people, when they start seeing new groups move in, they move out of the city because it becomes a little more challenging. Maybe different languages, different sounds. But this is what God calls us to. Here it is. God is taking Jerusalem and moving it into Babylon. And Jeremiah encourages the exiles from Judah. He he encourages them. He's, He's encouraging them. They're probably dealing with three types of people. And I believe we too deal with these same types of people in our cities, communities, and neighborhoods. First, he's dealing with, they're dealing with people with no hope. People who who spend their lives worrying and anxiety. And think about the children of Israel at this time. They've lost their freedom. They've lost their homes. They've lost their livelihood and their way of making a living. They've lost their status, which gave them their identity in society. They lost everything. But those with no hope need to hear the hope of the gospel. Amen? Amen. And then secondly, you have those with false hopes who waste their lives chasing vain things. People come to the big city because they want to make it. They want to make an impression in the world and in life. And so the children of Israel, they were gathering to themselves false prophets, deceivers. These guys were troublemakers, not peacemakers. Hananiah, the false prophet, was so angry with Jeremiah that he broke the yoke of wood that was around Jeremiah's neck. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm in the city and I see a guy on the subway that's walking around with a yoke of wood around his neck, I am jumping out of that car into the next car or something. But you guys probably don't even notice that because you just keep Portland weird, right?
That's pretty scary. <laughs> Thirdly, in Salem Alliance, this is what I believe God has for us. What would it look like for us to be a third type of people who have true hope? What would that look like for you? Those with true hope first have the shalom and peace of God within. And they're not just living in the city, but they're investing in the lives of those for the city. And there are, here are three things that you could do to invest in the city. First, you could pray to the Lord and seek the kingdom of God. Pray to the Lord and seek the kingdom of God so that the kingdom of God would first be in you so that you could represent the kingdom to others. Listen to the voice of the Father. Hear the passionate heartbeat of Christ. Dedicate yourself to the word and spirit. Respond in faith, courage, humility, and holiness. Then we will see our cities and our communities transformed, restored with the peace and prosperity God designed for it. I love the story when I hear of, of, of Jason Lee, the man who, who, who founded Salem. His vision, his desire to see the gospel permeate the hearts of those living in this area. That's what I believe God calls us to. The second thing God calls us to is to live incarnationally and missionally, building into the lives of those close to us. And I'm reminded of a story from a colleague of mine named David Bidell, a story that he wrote in his book, uh, the Samaria, The Great Omission. He talks about, uh, he, was a, he was a tree cutter as well to supplement his income. And every time he would uh, have these jobs of cutting trees, he would basically, there would be this piddle wood, all this piddle wood that's gathered around from the trees. And piddle wood is basically small little pieces of wood. And he would do anything to get out of raking up the piddle wood. And he would try to get his, his, the guys who work for him to do all that work. So he would go make phone calls. He'd talk to the customer. He'd pick up all the equipment, anything to do except rake the piddlewood. And God spoke to him one day and said, David, plant your feet on, on, on the ground there and begin, take your rake and go as far as you can go and begin raking around yourself, rake a circle around yourself. And he said, as much as you do that, that's what I want you to do in terms of reaching others. You see, David has a big heart for reaching all of the city. But we have, we have to embrace our limitations. We can't reach all of the city. Not one person, but certainly we can reach our neighbors. We can reach those who are close to us. We can reach those who are in relationship with us. And that's what God was revealing to David. And so he began to refocus his energies. The third thing God is calling us to is to multiply and increase in numbers. And I believe God wants us to multiply and increase in numbers, not just for ourselves, but for the next generation. The, the, the call of the Israelites was not an individualistic call. It was a communal call. And so God calls us individually, yes, but he calls us communally as well. And he calls us generationally. What the Israelites were going to do, how they were going to live their lives at that time in which Jeremiah was prophesying, the scriptures is telling us that it was going to have a 70-year impact. Salem Alliance, what you do today could have a 70-year impact, a generational impact. And I thank God for the history of this church. Because from, from what I understood, there was a time where there was a decision that could have been made for you guys to move out of this community, possibly 30 years ago. Imagine if that would have happened. 
There are many churches, and, and, and historically they call it white flight. There are many churches that moved out of the inner city and left a gaping hole, left a void. What would have been the difference if they stayed? Hear the call. Hear the voice of God. Brothers and sisters of Salem Alliance, God is speaking to us through the prophet Jeremiah today. He knows the plans and seasons he has for us. Whether it's a season of great health or sickness, famine or, or abundance, lack or prosperity, we are going to pray to the Father. We're going to seek the kingdom. We are going to multiply. We are going to be obedient to the Spirit of God. We are not going to fear, but we are going to move in faith, courage, humility, and holiness. Can somebody say Amen. This is our Kairos moment. We will not back down. There will be people coming into this city seeking refuge, seeking a place to find community and family. You are that. We are that. This is our family. This is the Salem that God has given us. This is the Shalom that God has given us. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful. We are grateful that you are the God of peace and you give us the peace of God. Lord, we want to obey you. We want to see a difference made in our lives for this city. You've called us to this city. Lord, we could have left this city, but you spoke to us and you called us to stay in the city. And invest our lives for the city, not just live in the city, not just have existence as a church in the city, but have impact in the city. So, God, we're calling that. We're proclaiming that. We're believing. We're trusting you for that, Lord. Lord, move in our hearts in the little things that we can do to invest into, in the lives of others. Will you empower us, Lord? Will you give us your hope, your shalom? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.